0: You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. I am a Bedroom Beethoven. (laughs) <laughs> greetings earthlings welcome to episode 111 of the podcast my guest this week is i'm blockhead i'm a producer
1: slash bootmaker. i've worked with asap rock i've worked with Cage, I've worked with uh, Billy Woods, I've worked with Murs, I've worked with uh, a bunch of other people, I don't know, just a lot, a lot of people, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people.
0: Underground rap guys. A.K.A. Tone Capone, right? Yeah, A.K.A., yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Late to his own self, he's the belly, is King Hippo, the Emma was Van Helsing, the hell I was for my porch. So this week as the veteran hip-hop producer and beatmaker blockhead and i talk about his journey working odd jobs in new york the college days with asap rock cancel culture music and more and this all leads up to future projects that he may or may not be able to talk about but core in peace is now available which is the soundtrack for the pandemic before I begin the conversation, though, there are plenty of ways to listen to the podcast. BedroomBeatOms.com or your favorite podcasting streaming app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I do not need to list it off because you know them. But what you may not know is the amount of work that goes into this podcast week after week. So show your love and I'll show some back. Patreon. Dot com slash Beethovens is where you can give a buck or two to the show and in turn there's goodies to be had and subscribe to the youtube channel all those algorithms it helps out and more and more content will come can't stop won't stop episode one 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 with blockhead let's start the show old chrome mcdon scraps at the sled dogs yes y'all dead fucking this. Fly back, stroke through the bread bowl, bed sores, bad hair. Raced on bad nose, make bad songs. You could roll a bad stash, too. Nano Nano, styles like wild javelinas Stampeding over Bob Dabbelinas with a boomerang bow. Slingshot and ocarina. Rock shock, not the property of any and reaper. All these toes, Zaggy and unsheltered Came to the party like a pox on the culture. Flip the rook, kiss the cook. Before we start recording, I complimented you on your accessibility and your flexibility. But number two is you have the belief that just because you like music doesn't mean you're qualified to review it. And that philosophy could easily be twisted into, well, just because you like music doesn't mean you should start a podcast. So, you know, I, I'm just a, I'm just a guy. You know, why am I interviewing RJD2 and Prince Paul? I mean, I never worked for any music outlet. You know, I'm, I'm just a guy. So you must have saw something here worth your time. So I, I just wanted to thank you for being here.
1: Oh my, yeah,
0: no, no problem, no problem.
1: I mean, you know, it, it's it's about if people have like passion about something. That's usually a good starter for someone who wants to talk about something. You know what I mean? Like it's especially with music. Like you know, we've all done interviews. All musicians have done interviews with people who simply don't give a shit, and uh, and it shows. So when you're talking to someone who does, who's actually like knowledgeable about it, it's it's like a breath of fresh air. So.
0: Yeah. Well, well, let me tell you, it's a great time to be alive because you're joining me on the 40th anniversary of the hit smash and station, believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free.
1: Wait, you know, what's crazy is that that song is literally one of two songs. I ever like, or the first two songs I ever remember hearing. Oh, so that, so music is like, you're calling when you heard that. It
0: was like something, a flip switched
1: that, That song and Eye of the Tiger were the two songs I loved when I was, when I was like a baby and, uh, and like, and, uh, and I literally like, like, yeah, the Grace American hero theme was like that. I I have a clear memory of hearing that for the first time. And I don't remember much from that age either. It's funny that I actually do. I just
0: remember family guy making fun of it. And that's, and and it just popped into my mind. Uh, You mentioned though, like, you know, the, the quarantine, how it's been affecting you and all that. But for you, it was probably business as usual because you love to spend a bulk of your time just, at home board, and you said you love it.
1: Yeah, this is nothing, this is, this is light work for me. I mean, it, it is getting a little, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit much cause I am a social person and I do kind of miss traveling, even though like at the time, like, you know, a year ago, I was probably sick of it cause I've been touring for five months, but, uh, yeah, no, I miss, I mean, I miss freedom, <laughs> the freedom to do whatever I want. And, uh, so, but, but as far as just like being able to, to keep myself busy at home and, and, and that kind of stuff, like this is nothing for me like on a mental uh, health level like this does not affect me.
0: Well, at what all. about stuff from your childhood being a victim of the pandemic? Like is that bakery on Hudson Street that they closed down because of the pandemic? Oh no, that's been closed for like 20 years. But you know what I mean so, though, like maybe maybe oh, yeah. the scenery has been changed like New York's looking like Detroit these days.
1: Um because it's it's all I mean it's everything's boarded up, but you know at the same time it's like you know, it's funny because a lot of people complain about all these like kind of famous places shutting down. And it is sad to see a lot of them go, but also like, you know, like Starbucks are shutting down and like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like that's, <laughs> like there, there's, it, there, there's a, there's a balance to it. And I, and I'm more just curious to see what it will be like after that will be the really, I mean, if everything becomes banks and Starbucks, then, then we're fucked. But if, you know, perhaps rents are going to go down and rents have gone down, like, Considerably in the last four or five months, so things might move in that are
0: that can that are cooler than say you know a bank or a, a Dwayne Reed. You know, I, I think when Louis C.K. first moved to New York, there was a place next door to his apartment called Kim's Video. I used to work there. I used to work at one of them. Do you have any cool stories from working there? Uh, I
1: was a security guard. There, there was a bunch of them. I, I got I, there was a video store was was the main one, and I worked there for a day. Got fired because they put me on the schedule and didn't tell me didn't show up. And then there was one on uh, St. Mark's Place, which was a video store, record store, CD store. And I got a job there in the cafe, which had just opened. But the cafe closed quickly. And I was like, do you guys have any other jobs? And they hired me as a security guard. And I was like 19 or 20. And at that point, I like maybe. Yeah. No, I was like, tw- I was definitely I was 20. And I think that, you know, like I was already doing stuff with Aesop. And like, I think, like yeah, like music by Cave Light had already come out. So it was, it was an interesting time to work there because like people there Kim's video was very like a hip, they knew about stuff, so they knew about that, but they didn't know I was involved in it, and I was just the security guard there that's funny um, wow. so it was a funny thing, but I was the only like non African
0: person who worked security and uh <laughs> and I literally never stopped anyone from stealing anything it's funny i i so I read that I heard that Kim only hired black people for security, and the behind the counter, yeah. he rarely hired people outside of Korean descent, and they all had bad attitudes and the store was actually written up in the new york press as the meanest service in new york
1: it i think early on it was like that but but by the time i was there there was a lot of people it was mostly like like college kids and like hipsters working behind the counter because you know like a video store and like a record store were like the cool jobs i have at that time so you know and people who worked there kind of like how other music it was a it was a they hired like knowledgeable people The people who worked at Kim's in the music section actually knew about music, but they were assholes. (laughs) They were definitely even even they were assholes to me, and I worked there. Yeah, Yeah. so it was very you know it was a it it wasn't friendly. But Mr. Kim, I only saw him a couple times, but he was a total
0: crook, from what I recall. I think Andrew WK worked there and got fired as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's a long lineage of people who got fired from
0: Kim's video. Uh, so from what I'm reading, uh, Brad Pitt went there, David Lee Roth went there, MCA from the Beastie Boys. And these are people that had memberships. RuPaul. Um, Peter Weller oh. from RoboCop came in there and mm. rented a German porno called Pissy Teenie. That's on record. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that's
1: the thing about, about Kim's video is, like, the video store itself was, like, they specialized in cult movies. Like, it, like if you wanted, you know, a normal movie, you go to like, Blockbuster. But if you wanted, like, you know, and I was kind of into, like, cult movies and, like, weird horror movies and stuff like that. Uh, And so I would go there. I was a member of that. Then I would rent weird movies from Kim's. And I saw all sorts of crazy shit that I probably wouldn't have seen if it was not for Kim's. Because they also had, like, uh, people who worked there who would, like, have their picks. And it would always be some really obscure thing that uh, otherwise, you know, before the internet, you just wouldn't be able to find.
0: That's crazy. I also read that uh, he gave Mary Kate Olson a $650 late charge on her account that she never paid. <laughs> All true stories. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. There'll be a documentary about him. One day. <laughs> so, uh, there will so you mentioned like, man, I, I, I was exposed to a lot of things if I, if I didn't work there. But also from a, from a musical side, your parents were kind of lax on what you were listening to. Because I'm a parent now, and I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly a helicopter dad, but I don't know if I would let my 11-year-old listen to two live crew. I don't know. Uh,
1: They didn't know. I mean, my dad was an artist and like he didn't give a shit and my mom, it's not like I played it out loud. I had, I had like a Walkman, So like, I would just, you know, just listen to what I, I would listen to, you know, like as long as I didn't expose And I was actually pretty aware of what I could and couldn't play in front of my mom. And and again, like I, I had a pretty bohemian, you know, rate. Like my, my, my youth was bohemian, like a very artist. My mom's a social worker. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't strict, but I also wasn't like a bad kid. So I didn't really like give them reason to, you know, worry too much, but I would like play, like when it come to, came to rap and my mom, I would play her like, you know, like native tongues and like try to like push the jazz stuff on her. And she'd be like, yeah, this is okay. My mom, you know, was like an old lady. So, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, she, she was a good sport about it <laughs> at least you didn't, you didn't play her the full metal jacket intro. That's what you're saying. No, no, I didn't. I didn't play her Dick Almighty. <laughs> but you, you know, it's funny. I, I, at that age, I bought the Spice Girls CD because of the lyrics. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. So I thought it was a CD about threesomes. So I get it. It's a gangbang anthem. That's what, that, that, in my was... mind. That's what I thought, and I was, I was let down. Yeah, yeah. but, but. Even at that age, you knew that life didn't always have to imitate art. Like just because I listened to Marilyn Manson, I don't have to put on a duster and shoot up my school. I know that when Easy E said "fuck the police," he was he was frustrated. But when Ice Cube made a song called "Natural Born Killers," he wasn't really going out slicing throats and shooting AKs. Maybe so, yeah, obviously, yeah.
1: I mean, there was never I never had a moment in my life where I was like, like what they're saying is what I should do. Like I, I I always it was always very much like I was like that's their experience. You know, like, I I know my, my, my situation is different, but also, you know, like the the only stuff that really hit me in any sort of way was actually like the more social commentary stuff of like, you know, like the, like public enemy and, and, uh, and, uh, and even, you know, native tongues to an extent, like jungle brothers, for sure. Like their stuff kind of hit me and, and made me kind of more aware of, you know, the social issues back then which is interesting cuz you know I was listening to live crew and then I'd be like oh let, let me put on something that like
0: makes me think about think about uh, things that are a little deeper than that. So how did you convince your mom to take you to see beat street? What was your little kid pitch to her? I don't remember
1: at all and I can't believe she went. Like I I think she I think she must have thought it was something else. Maybe she thought it was like a, dan- a like a musical or something. I re- like I really don't know. Like I don't remember the context of that. But I it was I did see it in the theater. I remember it and just being like, holy shit. And, I, and when I saw the, the Christmas rap and then when I saw uh, The Treacherous Three and Kumo D uh, cursing, I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, my eyes were open. I was like, this is this is it. This is what I like.
0: <laughs> the, the more I kind of delved into the way you make music, I, I read a direct quote from you that says, I want to make music. I want I, I, I want the music I make to be unaffected by outside influences. Is that even still possible still with the with the chaos, the pandemic, are you just able to just turn your brain to neutral and create? I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Cause like, I, cause I
1: work with samples. So like, I'm really only affected by what samples I pick and choose. And like, and it's, and it's not really a situation of like, oh, I feel this mood today. So I'm going to go make a beat like this. I mean, I've tried to do that, but it just doesn't always work out like that. And, uh, it kind of like, it it's kind of this thing. Like when I start making a beat, I just kind of am set on a path by one sound and I just kind of follow it. And it's never, I mean, granted, like I do tend to end with like minor, minor keys, you know, <laughs> like I definitely am drawn to that, to that kind of melody. But, uh, I don't know, like, I, I don't think that the, like what's going on in my life doesn't tend to affect me that much. Maybe, I mean, only with like albums and stuff. Like if you step, I can step back from like full albums and be like, oh, I was in this headspace when I made this album. Like only after the fact, but when I'm just sitting down making beats just on a casual you know, say I make a beat today, like it won't be affected by the fact that I've been in my house for nine months.
0: I don't think, I think it'll just be like, Hey, it's just making a beat. You what know? about like the, like the passing of doom since, you know, like rhymes, like dimes is one of your favorites.
1: If I were come if I were to come across a loop that would remind me of doom, I might push into it a little bit and I might, and might see what I can do with it. But otherwise it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's separate for me. Like it doesn't, uh, Like I I guess I can compartmentalize really well because it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really affect how I work and and also like my music doesn't really reflect my 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 personal mood as a person like I make my music is much sadder than I am you know and uh and much more yeah it's 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 like it's it's melancholy and I and I'm not really like that like
0: I'm pretty you know level I'm like annoyingly centered. Like, you, like if you put out a record, people might DM you like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm great, man. Like, I mean, yeah, it, it depends.
1: It depends what I, if I, if I were to really go for it and like name, name the songs, something, uh, you know, truly depressing or something, then maybe, maybe they would. But, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, like, like my, like my, like my, like my, my real friends in real life, like probably don't listen to my music. And if they did, they'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that makes sense. You know? It's funny. I I I'm I'm kind of the same way where I compartmentalize really well, but there are two lyrics that I think about in hip hop all the time. And one is Sean Price, where he says, Money ain't a thing, says the guy who's rich while the broke motherfucker thinking life's a bitch. And then the other one is doom. On rhymes like dimes, when he says, "Only in America could you find a way to make a healthy buck and still keep your attitude on self-destruct." I love that. I line. think about the. That's I think about line. those constantly, and it's just now that I reflect, it's like, oh man, both those guys are they passed on, and it makes it more profound. And oh yeah, yeah for sure. I know, I, I, I read your article. I, I like how you examine death in hip hop because society acts funny in that sense, where we we bury the living and we tend to raise the dead. And Doom yeah. died, and five of his albums hit the top one hundred, and it's like, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't want I don't want to be like, you know, morbid, but you know, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, do you think about how society would hoist you up? You know, maybe Labor Days would enter the top ten I, and, or something well, you did well, decades I, ago. Well
1: if I died, I don't think it would affect Labor Days too much. I mean it would probably there'd be a little blip in Labor Days. You know, I mean if Aesop died, sure. But uh but uh I mean, you know, if I died, there'd be a, probably a, you know, a, like a couple weeks where my songs got more streams and then life would return to normal, I think. <laughs> I mean in Doom's case, because he is a bigger artist and also because he the type of artist he is like, I think his death kind of uh, exposed him to people that probably had never checked for him or people that had kind of written him off for whatever reason. Cause I, I every now and then I have come across people who are like anti doom people. And this is like years ago. And I'm just like, what, like, what do you hate thing? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, uh, and I think that a lot of those people might've like softened their stance and kind of given him a second chance, but de- death, death of an artist, especially one who's not done tends to, you know, really let allow people to you know dig in again and
0: uh i think that happened with doom for sure i mean probably
1: it, yeah, we'll see <laughs> i i find it i
0: would find it ironic that a lot of people would revere you for something that you're unhappy with you know i read that you can't sit through daylight without wishing that you had put better drums on it and i, yeah. appreci- I appreciate you not being like george lucas and updating your old material like oh, here's labor days 2021 enjoy oh god <laughs> fuck that yes y'all yes, you're, yes you're,
1: Uh, yeah, no. I mean, that's like like everyone. I like. I anytime I post about something on music, say on like Facebook on my music page or something, there'll be people being like, "When are you gonna make another music by Cave Light? And I'm just like, "There's nothing that's farther from what I will ever do again, <laughs> music by Cave Light. <laughs> And it's and it's not because I don't don't like the album. It's just because like I was fucking twenty something when I made it. Was the '90s when I started making that album? You know, like that's how long ago it was. And uh, and I'm so removed from that sound. And and any. And any artist that kind of wants to rehash their old shit generally doesn't have much to say at that point,
0: you know? When, whenever someone asks you that, tell them to go listen to Scarface's My Mind Playing Tricks On Me 2.0. And <laughs> th- didn't age well. Wait, you know? that happened? That happened. It was on his album, Ooh. yeah. My, it, he, he updated the classic track, and it's like... Oh, man. that's terrible. Well, that's, there, I mean, it's the saddest shit, man. Like, when,
1: when artists... literally remake an album from like 20 years ago, they'll be like, something, something, number two. You know, you're like, why? Like, it's like Lords of Underground, Keepers of the Funk, two, you know? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I mean, same thing with movies, though. Like, you know, I'm very skeptical about Coming to America, too. Because like, why would that be good? (laughs) Yeah. 25 years after, 30 years after the fact. It's like, it's a little late. I hope it is. I think that's how it was with
0: Bill and Ted, which I'm not going to see, because I don't want to see... You know, Alex Winter.
1: I was going to ask. I, see, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I just picture yeah. Alex Winter sitting I mean, home
0: like, hey, I wants to do another movie with you 30 years later. And he's probably like, fuck yeah. Like, I need a paycheck. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Boston University is where you met Aesop, right? What, what was your major?
1: I had no major. I went there for a year. I was in the general studies program, and I dropped out. And uh, general studies is where you went after you were not good in high school. And they basically gave you two years to kind of, write the ship and then you'd be matriculated into the normal, uh, into like a normal major, most likely a communications major or something like that. But uh I was, yeah, I was there for a year and I was like, well, this isn't going to work. And I, I just knew I was never a good student. I never cared about school. Uh, so, it, you know, I just,
0: I just dipped. That's good though. I mean, you didn't waste your parents' money. A lot of people do the four years, waste their parents' exactly. money. And you, exactly. Yeah, you did them a favor. Yeah, I mean, I've literally, I, I used to bring that up
1: to them, be like, you know, I saved you guys a lot of money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good argument. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny though, around that time though, you were dabbling in being an MC, so there, there has to be some tapes out there with a few blockhead verses. Oh, I mean, there's, I, I mean,
1: are they out there? Probably not. I mean, the, if the they're literal cassettes if they exist i mean i was in a group and I, I was uh i've recorded many verses i've i did an album with the group i was with i've, I've rapped on songs with asap but i mean they you know these songs never made it to the internet thank god um and i wasn't even that ba- i was just like not great you know i was just like totally whatever you know i was like a mediocre battle rapper yeah but you could have had that manny confidence you know uh no nah, i didn't really have it <laughs> <laughs> that's like I was I, I found a picture of me and my group performing from like 96 or something like that and uh and I was just looking at me on stage and being like that is a very uncomfortable person <laughs>
0: See, I, I almost, I almost didn't bring up Manny because last, you know, I think it was, was it, two days ago. Oh, Manny from Manny, my my, my the
1: uh, the guy who taught me everything.
0: Yeah, because I remember, I, a couple days ago I brought yep. up Noah Gay, and I thought you were going to chuckle, and said, so "You said, who are you?" Oh, that
1: was you. Oh, that was you. Who are you? Okay. How do you know I him? The dots. <laughs> I didn't. I, I totally connect the dots because, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm so- actually I I meant to apologize about that because I didn't really re- I just saw someone write that and I uh, and I didn't realize it was you. And then I I was like I was like who the wait, what? Cuz this dude no gay. Like I wasn't really close friends
0: with him. He's just a name. Yeah. He's just a dude that I knew a little bit. He, and I, was I thought like he was going to be what like I mean. he's going to be so proud that he, that I did my research and you're like who who are you? What the fuck? because yeah. <laughs> well, I mean this is a dude I'm not even really <laughs> friends with. <laughs> but you weren't you weren't good with the punchlines though. You, when you were rhyming I, I was
1: i no. i think i was i was i was funny like it was like me as a rapper was like a much funnier is a much closer version to me than me as a producer personality wise but uh but i was also in the era of like trying to flip crazy flows that i weren't that i really wasn't capable to do and uh and you know just i, I was trying to be deeper than i was and, and like toward the end when i kind of stopped taking it seriously i think i got actually got better but and, and i got more just like kind of funny wordplay and, and punchlines and stuff like that but i but after you know dealing with real rappers when you've de- you know I met Aesop, and I was like oh shit okay
0: well that puts me in per- into perspective and I don't need to do this anymore well you've had a long story history with Aesop, but correct me if i'm wrong but it's been like i think it's been over a decade since you've had placement on an Aesop album right yeah yeah it's been a while i mean i i've done a bunch of remixes for him, but you know we, you know we
1: we have we have we have little surprises in the works <laughs>
0: Okay, that's good because I was starting to think like
1: I, I can't I can't I can't get into it, but but there's yeah there's a you know the, it's it's that story's not done
0: you know and then there was like something else I know It's like so the, the track before daylight is a, is a track called labor which you did not produce but it got on a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game and I really wish that they would have grabbed right, a track right. that you produced because I imagine that that check in the <laughs> mailbox just keeps coming year after year after year after year. You know, I wonder. I. I've I've had songs. I had one song on. I think it was a
1: two K. One of the NBA two K games from like 2010 or something like that. Uh, and I don't recall the check being too big. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't recall it because it's just a licensing thing. I, it, it's not like uh, it's not like getting in a car commercial, which is like you know,
0: pay your rent for three years. Oh, see, I see. The misconception you know? is I always think it, like these royalties are uh, like I was thinking you know it's it's a lot more fruitful than it is. I
1: think there's some some licensing is, but stuff like that is uh, is not. It just goes into your publishing, and you and you get like a little bump, but it's not much. Whereas, you know, so if you were to make a song specifically for a video game, then you're gonna make a ton of money. Or if you're gonna make a, if or, or again, if you put your, you know, like RJ had a had a song in a, in a car commercial, and I guarantee you, he paid his mortgage
0: with it. <laughs> you know? uh, so. So how do you build buzz in in the RMHH era? How, how do you use the how do you use the internet to build a buzz when something like the internet is so new?
1: Um, back then, I, I really just kind of I I kind of cultivated this this persona that was me, but like it was very like opinionated, but I had but I knowledgeable, so I knew a lot about rap, and I and I had all these opinions, and also because I was like one of the few people from New York that was recording Stretch and Bobbito back then, I would kind of put people onto new things, and then I kind of would like introduced stuff that i actually was working on into the into the same conversation and some of that was asap rock and then eventually it got revealed that i was one of his producers and but but he got popular because it was also the time of um you know like lyricist lounge was was is pre you know sound bombing but it was lyricist lounge was a, a definitely a popular thing and also the the good life out west where like styles were it was all about crazy styles and then also you know, like weirdo rap stuff, like like Dose One, and uh, even you know, Atmosphere at that time was like weirder, you know. And uh, everyone was kind of hungering for all this kind of weird rap, and and kind of just slid right in there, and uh, and people really uh, gravitated to him. And I sold those CDs li- literally from my house, and like
0: sold like you know two hundred Music for Earthworm CDs.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm
0: gonna. I think I'm going to go ahead and throw Danny Brown in that bucket as well that weird rap. Oh
1: yeah, but Dan- Danny Brown was way late. Danny Brown was like a decade. He
0: was he was, but he he still came up in that era where people believed in using free music releases as promotion and he tweeted last week that the only reason why Triple X was a free mixtape is cuz the label told him the album sucked and just give it away for free.
1: Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, that was wild. That's wild. That's. I mean, it honestly I mean, look at Run the Jewels, man. Like their first three albums were I th- and all their albums are free. Uh and I feel like had their albums not been free, they probably wouldn't have gotten around as much, and they probably wouldn't have gotten as big as they are.
0: That I uh, wanted to ask you on that stance because it got me thinking about like Acid Rap or Joey Badass, nineteen ninety nine, or any other mixtape. You know, if they if they conscientiously said, "Oh, the days of the demo tape are long dead, and free music is the future," or if or if they just got bullied into that situation, maybe LP had to prove himself all over again with Run the Jewels, and that was the only route he had to take.
1: I you know I wish I kind of knew I don't know exactly why he did it I mean like the fact he did it the second time makes me think it was definitely you know something that he he did on purpose you know like it, it wasn't like he got his he wasn't pushed into it but you know it's it's kind of it's kind of really just playing the long game and what but when they did that it there was there was other acts doing the same thing and it was obviously paying off because these these albums were just spreading around like crazy I mean like even something on a lower level like spark master tape like he had like this his two first albums which are my shit my i love them and i would never have heard them if, if, if i had if they weren't just these free downloads that just popped up put a beat on uh.
0: We get sickness so big That when we be shippin' our sick We chippin' this shit Might just slip out of sick Hey, Rizzo, fuck what you think 49 roofies in a motherfuckin' drink 49 groupies on motherfuckin' big Cause I roll through my street With a gun by my pricks nits Click, click, got rich mob shit Off the topic Fuck your gossip Shot that hot shit Now you go Donkey of the week Saw the go Bang that squash it. It's on shit We kill shit Yeah, that darn shit My hoes bitches be roncy Rock like stalking
1: and like stuff like that helps i considered at that time i considered putting an album out for free too but i was like yeah but i'm not a rapper <laughs> and, and like you know this isn't going to really help me and there's also there's also you know people there's like instrumental artists that have done that too that make careers off it like uh like pretty lights and um and uh bass nectar are both guys that i think put out all their music for free for years and you know they're playing like five thousand person venues, like the next year.
0: Well, what about the Radiohead model? Because you have a philosophy where you refuse to spend more than five bucks a record, yeah. and with the Radiohead model, you can put in yeah. four ninety nine <laughs> and buy it.
1: Wait, what's the Radiohead model? What, are you, you make your own price? Yeah, something?
0: pay your pay your own price. So you can give them a hundred bucks, or you can give them a dollar. I'll
1: spend money on music I listen to, but not on stuff I sample
0: but sampling it's is a, where is where the income comes from right wouldn't that make sense to flip your philosophy oh uh,
1: no because the people who are who are buying those records from are not
0: they're not they're not the artists
1: these are these are old records these are record collectors these are like record shops who who mark their shit up like 200% like i don't care to support them and these are records that have long been out of circuit i mean i'm talking the records i sample are not exactly well known records so the time for those guys to get paid is is long gone, and now it's just kind of people grubbing off off the fact that people want to buy rare records. And that uh, you know, fuck those people. I don't. <laughs> they, they they don't they don't they like they, I'm not doing them favors. And so I mean I stopped buying records like five six years ago. Old me I'm like new music is something totally separate. Man. Like if I, I, I don't uh like I don't really I'm not a sit around and listen to records kind of person. Like I don't, but I I support the. The idea of it, and I support vinyl as a thing because it is like the last bastion of of, uh, of just something you can hold on to in music. It's it's the last like physical copy that actually matters anymore. Uh, and I'm a person who came up with that shit, and I'm a person who like read the liner notes to every album I bought. So I I appreciate people who are like record collectors, but uh, when it comes to old stuff that is just you know in some in, in some dusty box at like a <laughs> at like a Salvation Army, like eh, no, I'm good. Like it doesn't matter.
0: I, I don't know if you have your your finger on the pulse of like cancel culture. You know, this month alone. Gina Carano lost her job. I
1: mean, you know, I'm, I'm 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 aware of it. <laughs> so you know that, like,
0: so, like Gina Carano lost her job with The Mandalorian. Talked about the Holocaust or whatever.
1: Yeah, I the saw. Guy, yeah, a guy from yeah, The Social yeah, yeah. Network
0: uh, is in the cannibalism and and raping women's, and that made yeah. Jennifer Lopez feel a little uneasy about co-starring in a movie with him. And yeah, oh oh, uh, the yeah. creepy guy Marilyn Manson turns out he's yeah. kind of real life creepy too. So I mean, we all knew that
1: about and Shia LaBeouf and all that. Stuff. Like 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 think about like Marilyn Manson, and Shia LaBeouf. like everyone knew that. <laughs> Like there's, like no one knew. It's funny that that, that people are like, oh, like like clutching their pearls now. I'm like, those guys have been on record as scumbags for a long time.
0: What makes so? What makes what makes them? What makes R. Kelly untouchable? What makes Marilyn Manson untouchable? Do we have to wait ten years for their for them to fall out of their prime, where record sales go down, and then we're like, aha, we got you. You're not that famous anymore. You're uh, a jerk. I mean,
1: I think I think society dictates who gets canceled and who doesn't. And, and if if R. Kelly fans are going to still listen to R. Kelly after all the shit he did, then that's really more testament on them. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I, I, I'm pretty sure R. Kelly has lost a huge chunk of fans from what he did. Cause I mean, what he did is insane and I'm sure. And I, you know, Marilyn Manson, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say, like it, it, it's too early to tell, but also it's not like he's exactly making music now that people give a, sh- you know, he's not that popular now. Like if, if someone like, uh, like Justin Bieber got canceled for some crazy shit like that. Then we would see, because then you'd see like, oh, this is actually an artist who makes music that's relevant to now. And uh, if it affects him, then, then, then we got something, you know, <laughs> army hammer probably won't work again. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's safe to say, even though his shit was just a weirdo fetish. I mean, unless he's actually come out as, did he come out with actually assaulting any women or he just like wrote gross shit
0: to them? He said that he hit a deer and reached in the deer and ate its beating heart, <laughs> and said he wanted. Hey, to, and then he said he wanted to that do that to her. It's not <laughs> illegal, but you know, if, if I'm Jennifer Lopez' agent, I'd be like, hey, this guy eats wolf hearts. And he's going to be co-starring cool oh, in yeah, a right, movie right. with you. She'd be like, ah. I mean, shit. People, people have lost their careers over
1: way less than that, and so yeah, he's he's a. I mean, yeah, he probably won't be playing a Winklevoss twin anytime soon. <laughs> So it's yeah, it's it's tricky though. It's a lot of gray area that, I, and and we don't really live in a world of nuance right now.
0: Yeah, it might sign, seem odd, but I was actually thinking about your dad, how he would chill with uh, Kurt Vonnegut, and it's like, you know, did he did oh, he yeah. know that he that Kurt was distant from his children and cruel to his first wife and, and depressed and angry. No, they probably had, they probably talked about art and they fed off each other's energy and friendship. I mean,
1: you know, he might've, but shit, maybe my dad was like that, you know, like it's like, it's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like those things aren't criminal. They're just humans being humans. And like, uh, and the fact that like, you know, like who isn't flawed, you know, like who isn't, I mean, I, there, there are people that have done shit that are definitely terrible. And, uh, and then there's people that, you know, just have had, rough patches in her life i don't know it's 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 just it's just shitty that uh everyone's kind of on edge about being you know thrown into the fire like i've definitely had those moments when the when the me too movement started i was like i started racking my brain being like is there anything i could possibly get called out on for this and i was like nah i'm good and uh but but i but it made me think and i think a lot of guys kind of stepped back and 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 you know took into account all these things and were like really actually concerned about it especially you know in in the and it started happening in the underground music culture. You know, in in a lot a lot of producers, uh, like uh, EDM producers, got called out for shit. I mean, rappers have been called out for shit. It's you know, it's 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 hard to avoid.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, Talib Kweli is the next one. If he doesn't slow down, man, on his Instagram, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm a I'm a big Kweli fan, but well, he he's got a well, didn't he get kicked off? He got kicked off Twitter. I, I've never I,
1: I've actually never really liked Kweli, but uh, but uh, he. I've heard he was he was wild on Twitter. I never followed him on Twitter, but I heard he was like wow. He
0: got booted on Twitter. on Twitter, and now he's on Instagram. In, in the same day, he'll he'll call uh, a complete stranger a Nazi, and then he'll go make a podcast with Goody Mob and an album with Diamond D, and pretend like he didn't just spend five hours of his day arguing with a racist on his Instagram page. <laughs> and I'm like, that's gonna catch up with you, man. You gotta. Who, I mean, who am I? But you got to um, slow down on that, buddy. I mean, he he just seems kind of reactionary
1: from what I've seen, or like what I've heard about him. Like, uh, you know. And and you know that's a common problem on on I can only speak to Twitter but like you know motherfuckers get into it on Twitter I, I've I've fallen for shit before where I've been like where someone said something and you're just like what and you get super <laughs> defensive about it but you know it's it it is it is what it is you know people people react differently and it, it is weirder when you're like kind of an older rapper like you know and like Jizzer, <laughs> Jizzer posted like a like talking about like asking if the earth was flat and I was like aren't you the genius <laughs> Like should you? And then people start getting at him, and he was like, "He's like, hey, hey, I'm not, I'm not saying it's flat. I'm just asking questions." And you're like, "Yeah, that's a stupid question. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really dumb question." And uh, you know, it should happen. Shit pops up. That's why Twitter's so great. <laughs> well, I got to say, if you ever start a
0: podcast, which I think you'd be great at, we should, we should start a network. Screw Blueprint and the logic. Our new thirty thirty minute friendship should trump your lifelong <laughs> friendship to them and. We should do something. <laughs> Those guys are great.
1: I, I've had, I had a podcast.
0: Oh, you did. Wow. Well, oh man. I, I know it takes a lot of time to end consistency and it's hard to get it past 10, 20, 30 episodes.
1: Uh, I got to 25
0: episodes, but it's because the, it was me and my friend Pauline. We did it and
1: it was just us talking shit and being silly, but, uh, it was called Roggle cast and we got 25 episodes in, but then she moved to LA. So we stopped, oh. but, uh, it was fun. It was fun. It was like maybe like six years ago, probably a lot of shit on there that I regret saying, <laughs> uh, but, you know, what are
0: you going to do? <laughs> Did you hear Willie D on Joe Rogan recently? No, I, I, I heard him on it like a while ago.
1: I, I don't, like, I love Willie D, I, but I don't love Joe Rogan. So it's, so it's kind of a, a mixed blessing, a mixed a mixed bag for me.
0: Well, there's there, but, there's uh, nothing more gangsta than a Paula Abdul diss track. They called her an Oreo cookie and a silly hoe. Never forget.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I have that album going out like a soldier. <laughs> They like call her Abdus. He's a silly hoe. Yeah, yeah it's the best. I love that.
0: I love that. Uh, th- the last thing I want to touch on, the very last thing. I mentioned your father earlier. Your father, RIP. Mm-hmm. He was almost legally deaf, and I'm 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 yes. dumb. I don't know if being legally deaf is hereditary or if it's just caused by old age. Oh. But I was worried about you because losing your ability to hear. Oh, no. that that's like a master no, no. pianist's fingers falling off. And I no
1: no my, my dad was deaf because he was in World War II and was in a got hit by a boat. And then when he was recovering, the ch- in a church it was bombed. So and that's and he lost he lost seventy percent, seventy five percent of his hearing, or like maybe less at that point. But it it got worse as he got older.
0: Well, he, he sounded like he lived a fascinating life.
1: Yeah, he lived a pretty crazy. I mean, he was sixty when I was born. Oh. So you know, I I, I have a seventy four year
0: old brother. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I put it in perspective. I I know that Nora Jones's dad was like sixty six when he had her. So I wasn't it. Wasn't her dad Ravi Shankar? Or I think it was like a famous, uh, like beat yeah. Neck musician. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, I
1: thought, I thought it was Ravi Shankar. I mean, I could be wrong.
0: Yeah. And I think, but, I think he at like 75 or 78, he kind of like left her and, and pursued touring. And I'm just like, that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's I can't relate to it, but it seems kind of fascinating that you're still passionate about the music life. that old. I mean, like,
1: if, it, if you're, yeah, that's wild. I, yeah, I will not be doing that. But, uh, but 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 also, you know, when you're that old and you have a kid, you're really rolling the autism dice. Like you're just like <laughs> yeah. like you're like you're like it's it's such a dice roll like like <laughs> I'm so lucky that I didn't that I'm not autistic <laughs> with my dad. <laughs> and and my and my mom was forty when I was born. So it was kinda like, you know, I had two old parents. So uh yeah, it was very
0: it could have gone either way. <laughs> could have gone either way. Do you have kids? <laughs> no. Nope. So, so that the, the history might repeat itself that you might be an old dad. Uh, or maybe. just, I won't
1: have kids. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> i I, 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 I've never really had an urge to have kids. And, uh, and I don't see it changing. I mean, it could, you never know. But, uh, yeah, it's not something I've really thought about. I like my freedom and I like, uh, you know, privacy and <laughs> being able to get up and leave if I want to. You know, I can barely, like, I, I, I kind of want a dog, but I, the thing that's holding me back is they're like, well, but what if I want to like go away <laughs> for a week?
0: <laughs> uh, as someone with two kids and two dogs, please keep that mentality yeah. <laughs> up. So I'm very jealous. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. No,
1: I, I definitely talked to my friends and they're like, yeah, you should probably shouldn't have a kid. Like, no problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the, uh, this is the part of the podcast where I will give you the floor to tell people whatever it is you want to tell them future projects, current projects, where to get it, where to find you.
1: Uh, well, I put out an album called quorum Peace. um, early into the quarantine. It was basically a bunch of songs I made live on Instagram. Uh, and i just put them out. So they're like, you know, they're kind of short vignettes. They're not like five minute epics. Like I usually put out, uh, I'm currently working on a new album that will hopefully be out in the summer. I have an album that I'm working on with this producer, Elliot lip, which will hopefully be out this time of year. I mean, some point of this year and, uh, and some other surprises
0: for later in the year that I, may not speak on it just yet <laughs> surprises like re-upping the mighty com website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> okay. But you it was know, good music good. though. It yeah. I like it. I like
1: Like no one heard it, but I, I, I do like that album a lot. Um, but you know, we're also four people who all have lives and they all have jobs and there's kids involved and you know, it, it, it was, a uh, it was, it was tough
0: to get that album together. So, I, I, it's, I, you know, at least we got that one out, you know. Understandable, understandable. And, you know, you're a scholar and a gentleman, sir. Thank you for being here and uh, sharing a piece oh, of yourself. Fun. And uh, you've been in the game a long time, so I hope this wasn't, uh, you know, a cookie cutter interview and you you had a little fun.
1: Oh, no, no. You, you knew your shit, man. You, you're pulling out stuff that I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Manny? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs>